Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tips, Topics, Issues, and Positions. In today's show, we're going to talk about immigration, and more specifically, we're going to take a look at DACA again. And uh, it's my pleasure, um, last September, uh, this individual <laughs> that I'm going to ask questions of today, uh, Tyler Todd, uh, came into our studio and gave a wonderful a uh, bit of information about DACA and some projections as to where it's going. And uh, fortunately for all of us, all the listeners out there, uh, Mr. Todd has uh, accepted another invitation. So he's back here in the uh, KDXI 100.3 studio. And uh, welcome back. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Um, lots going on. We're hearing... Uh, the wall going up again. Uh, we're hearing all sorts of problems with immigration. Um, and more specifically, uh, DACA is making all sorts of different uh, decisions on the part of federal courts across this country. And so I, I think uh, for the benefit of those listeners that didn't have the uh, pleasure of listening to you last September, um, we'd like to maybe start with, can you give us a little bit of a definition as what do we mean by DACA and what is that all about? Great question. And a lot of people don't know, even though it is a hot topic and, and it's been a hot topic for some time, but DACA is deferred action for childhood arrivals. And that's basically the acronym for DACA. Okay. Or DACA is an acronym for that. But, um, there are a number of illegal immigrant children that have been brought to the United States by their parents who have come over illegally um, or have come legally and have stayed illegally. And so Congress, um, the legislative branch, executive branch have always been in a concern. How do, what do we do with these children that have been brought uh, by their parents to no fault of their own? This is the un only country they know. Most of them only speak English. Um, but their legal status here in the United States is that they're not lawful residents. Mm. And, and so DACA was instituted by President Obama in June of 2012. Now, there's been a number of deferred action programs stemming back from even the 50s um, for different immigrant issues, okay? Um, and so even as President Eisenhower, Reagan, uh, even President Bush, and, and it's always been an issue. How do we deal with immigration reform and, and how do we pass laws that are going to protect immigrants in a country that was founded by immigrants? immigrants? <laughs> so uh, President Obama finally said we have to do something. Uh, the DREAM Act had been proposed in 2001, killed. Um, a number of uh, variations of the DREAM Act has been proposed. We talked about that in September. Yes. Uh, nothing's been passed. And um, so in June of 2012, President Obama, through the Department of Homeland Security, Janet Napolitano, who, who was the acting um, secretary at the time, issued the, the memorandum or the memorandums indicating that DACA would be initiated okay. and basically enabling... Uh, those individuals that came to the United States uh, prior to that time, June of 2012, uh, who were under the age of 31, who had been living in the United States for five years or longer and could prove it and didn't have any sort of criminal uh, history or background or problems uh, that would pose a threat to the national security 
and were either enrolled in school or had received a GED or equivalent. Okay. And, and so that was essentially what DACA was. Wow. And it enabled those individuals that qualify for DACA to receive a social security number and a work permit and to enable them to contribute to society and to the society of which they've, the only one they've ever known. Got it. And so it made a lot of sense, but, and that's been going for five years. And unfortunately at the time, uh, there were several millions of individuals that the, the program intended to help. Unfortunately, only approximately 800,000 people applied. Wow. And so, why is that? Why do you think? Well, if you look at the, the actual language of the memorandum that was issued, all of the information, and it required a lot of information. Okay, It required a lot of personal information. It required significant fees. The application fee was significant. Um, a lot of attorneys were charging. Um, and whether it was reasonable or unreasonable is another issue, but charging money to, to help prepare the applications. And so not only is it a lot of personal information, but it was expensive. Got it. And so the, the qualifying language in the code said, we're not, we're not going to use your personal information for uh, custom and border patrol agencies or ICE agencies, uh, but it doesn't mean we can't. And that information provided was, was also, sub, you would also subject your family information. Wow. And so I think a lot of people were just scared. And, and fearful to put their name and their information into the system. Got it. Interesting. Interesting. I've got some questions of some of my students. Okay. Because I knew you were coming. So they said, would you please ask them this? I said, I sure will. So I'll, I'll get that in. Then I want to get up to date as to where we're at with DACA today. But Perfect. Great. Here's one of those questions. Um, if DACA is dissolved, will I still qualify for in-state tuition under HB 144? That's a great question. So, currently, and that kind of goes to both questions, the current status of DACA. If you are a current DACA recipient and your DACA is going to, it only lasted for two years. So, if it were to expire, so I guess let's back up. In June of last year, there was a lawsuit or a letter sent to the Attorney General's office and Department of Homeland Security saying we're going to attack DACA. Wow. Okay? Okay. So Attorney General Sessions said we have to do something about this and sent a letter to the existing secretary, Elaine Duke, and that was done. And, and, and the the letters from the states back in June of 17 said, we're going to do this on September 5th. So on September 4th, Attorney General Sessions to Elaine Duke said, we, we have to terminate DACA. Hence the letter on September 5th from Elaine Duke's terminating, not terminating DACA, but rescinding DACA. Okay. And then she gave that time frame. We're going to then give a deadline of March 5th of the termination. So that'd be March 5, 2018. 2018. Got it. So um, if you had been approved, if it was expiring in that time, you could renew. If you hadn't applied for DACA, although um, eligible, you would no longer be able to apply for DACA. Hmm. 
So there's a number of questions. So to the question at hand, whether you would qualify for in-state tuition, I'm presuming that student is here in Utah. Dixie State University. Okay. So here in Utah, um, currently the, the state has not issued an opinion or the Supreme Court of Utah has not ruled on um, whether DACA recipients are still qualify for in-state tuition. Arizona, one of our neighboring states, their Supreme Court just issued a, a ruling on Monday, April 10th, that students going to in-state colleges or higher education no longer qualify for in-state tuition. No longer. No longer qualify. That's the state of Arizona. Effective immediately. That's just a few miles down the road. Correct. So, currently, they would still qualify. And from what I understand, from in Utah, you can't receive, you will no longer be able to receive in-state tuition, but you still are able to receive outside private funding from institutions that provide financial aid to students. Oh boy. Okay. So, okay. So we still here at Dixie State University still have funds available. Available. Correct. Wow. But it's getting sticky, especially with Arizona's decision just three days ago. Correct. And other states are following. So it'll be interesting to see what the city of Utah actually. Well, that's why you're here today. That's right. (laughs) You talk about updating information. Here we go. I've got another question. It said, if DACA is dissolved, can I still apply for private scholarships? In Utah, currently, yes. That's good news. Some states are initiating legislation that will no longer allow unlawful residents, meaning even DACA recipients and those that may be on renewals to apply to in-state institutions. Wow, it is tightening. But down, in Utah, currently, you still are able. We're to still do that. okay. Um, here's one thing. Here's a question: a concern about personal identity. I think it's going along with the Facebook controversy that's oh, going sure. on. Here it is. Who does Dixie State University share my personal information with? Now, this is a DACA individual. That's a better question for uh, Dixie State. Uh, <laughs> well, I figured you're the attorney; you can give me good advice. That, I, I, that's a good question. I'd, and and if I guess if you're any institution, financial, educational, um, social media, you better be prepared to answer those questions. Uh, I was having an interesting conversation last week regarding Zuckerberg and Facebook, and I don't think anybody ever thought that Zuckerberg would be under the the on are on the hot seat with egg on his face answering questions before congress about all of our privacy and, data and i thought that agreeing to there should be some form of regulation that was remarkable when he said that and in, in one of the hearings correct in the last couple of days and I, that's that's kind of a change of tune of what some believe really um social media ites i guess if you will want but that's a good question in regards to the, your private your privacy information and your personal data. Obviously, better suited for those uh, making those decisions here in the, in in this institution, which I certainly don't know. I think uh, I think what's happening now the, the millennials are getting sensitized. Up till now, it didn't matter, but now they're hearing about personal identity and cyber attacks and losing. So, in other words, an awareness because Zuckerberg's in front of Congress. Sure. 
Well, there, it, it makes sense. Uh, I think it's ironic, right? In the age of social media, and 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 where how we're all putting everything out there about our lives on social media that we're now we're wait a second, we want that private. <laughs> Well, I think there's a professor at Stanford University that came to the conclusion that he had some kind of an algorithm that he used, uh, whereby, uh, what's everybody worried about? We've already lost our personal identity. So let's move forward. It's, uh, it was an amazing. He made that statement last week. So, All right, that's the, with the end of with the uh, student questions. Now let's get into where are we at today. And um, one case that I've got is the regents of the University of California versus the uh, Department of Homeland Security, and I've got a date here of January the 9th and uh, uh, 2018. And, and Judge Alsup uh, from the U.S. District Court made a determination. Can you explain that a little bit for us? You bet. So, as I mentioned earlier, on September 5th, the Department of Homeland Security rescinded DACA pursuant to the instructions of Attorney General Sessions, which may have come from President Trump, and the current climate of immigration is a hot topic. Okay, um, things have changed dramatically. Just to provide some context, um, cases from maybe even a year ago that would have qualified maybe for what's called an immigration bond um, no longer qualify. Wow! And immigration judges around the country are are cracking down on on because it's a discretionary. There are some things that are discretionary. And so it's it's interesting to see how even local immigration offices are, are attending to uh, particular cases. Um, but the climate is changing. Thus, we lead into the September 5th rescission of DACA. Okay. And so with the rescission and the six-month period in which we were the, understood it was going to be the the time frame in which it was a, a wind down, obviously lawsuits were filed, and this is one that you've mentioned. The regions of California, essentially the University of California, um, City of Santa Clara, City of San Jose, um, and some others, plaintiffs filed a lawsuit against the government and the Department of Homeland Security. And ironically, the one of the plaintiffs the president of the University of California. Do you know who that is? No. Janet Napolitano. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so she's filing a lawsuit to keep the program in place that she initiated five years ago. Wow. How crazy is that? That is something. That was It's, it's <sighs> interesting. So she is intimately familiar, obviously, with DACA and and what it means. And, and so... Um, they filed the, the lawsuit for a preliminary injunction. And what that means is pending resolution of this case, we need to enjoin or stop the, this rescission. And so they are asking okay. the court to put a hold, basically saying time out, put a hold on this. And, and they were alleging that the University of California, the cities were going to be irreparably harmed or damaged as a result of the rescission of DACA because their employees, their students, the cities themselves were going to be harmed by the loss of tax revenue. Um, their employees would be directly harmed. And, and they alleged a number of other damages. And the court found 
on January 9th, 2018, as you mentioned, uh, that those damages and harms would be found, that there was a likelihood that they would prevail on the merits of their underlying case, which was that the rescission was unlawful, okay? And, and the court entered the injunction. And it wasn't just from the Northern District of California or in the state of California, but the injunction applied across the nation. Wow. So we have okay. a, a timeout to the rescission. And, and so normally what will happen is when the district court will issue an order to the prevailing party, the losing party then has the right to appeal. And so that appeal normally would go up to the California, uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. So it's not California, it's federal. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. What happened was, and we kind of talked about this before we went on the air, the government and the Department of Homeland Security issued a writ, a cert, a writ of certiorari to the United States Supreme Court (laughs) saying, hey, this is wrong. You need to hear this. And but the United States Supreme Court has only taken those types of cases where you've skipped the appellate court and gone directly to the Supreme Court maybe a dozen times over the last several decades. Wow. So the likelihood of that happening was was pretty low. And of course, sometime in February, I think you said I think it's uh February the uh, 26th. 26th, that's right. Yeah. The court, the Supreme Court of the United States, denied hearing that. Okay. Okay, so that's what that means when we talk about. So the injunction is still in place. The injunction is still in place, and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals of California has yet to issue an opinion on that appeal. Wow. So everybody's on hold again. Everybody's on hold, and DACA is still moving forward as if it was never rescinded. That's my next question. Is it moving forward? Correct. So you have people still applying or people that were eligible or is there a limitation? Well, good question. So people are not still applying because the injunction was limited in scope, meaning it only enabled those individuals that were eligible for renewal to continue to renew. Renewals only. Renewals only. If you failed to apply prior to that September 5th deadline of 2017, you are no longer able to apply. No wonder we have a lot of nervous people. Correct. Wow. And you're no, and it also limited to the scope. There was, there's this, there's something called advanced parole. So if you're a DACA recipient, okay, part of DACA is part of the conditions of, of receiving DACA is you're not able to leave the country. If you leave the country to go to one of your home countries, it would automatically terminate unless you sought for advanced parole prior to leaving, which would basically enable you to go home to whatever country you're from for whatever purpose. It might be to visit family, mm-hmm. sick family members, whatever, and then come back. So that's very important. So it's very important. So the the scope of this decision on January 9th by the uh, District Court of California, Northern District of California, also prevented any additional advanced paroles. Wow. Wow, you just opened my eyes right up. I didn't know there was uh, limitations, you know, all by a date from September 5th last year. Amazing. I've got, uh, just doing my quick uh, research here, 
on DACA. I've got a case here. Um, it said you should take a look at, and I'd be honest with you, I didn't do a complete briefing on it, but it was Casa de Maryland versus Homeland Security, and that came up on the screen during my preliminary research on this. Do you have any insight on that one? Another fascinating case. So what's happening is we have these particular entities, okay, that are claiming that they've been damaged or harmed uh, by this this decision of September 5th, the rescission, okay, of DACA. And, and so each particular entity, wherever they may be, whatever circuit they find themselves in, are filing injunctions against mm. the rescission. And so we have a case that was filed against President Trump and Department of Homeland Security out of New York. And that, uh, that case was ruled on in February. Okay. And that was all that, that court from uh, New York also issued the injunction and found in favor of the plaintiffs in that particular case. And then Casa de Maria or uh, Maryland was filed at some time, maybe end of February, but the, issue, the opinion was issued in March early March of 2018. And it's interesting because the court from the District of Maryland found in favor of the government. Wow. So we're seeing reversals. Well, not necessarily a reversal, but it denied their motion and it denied their the requested relief to enjoin um, the government from stopping DACA. And what it found, what the court found from in Maryland was, and let's back up, the decision from the Northern District of California found that the decision by Elaine Duke was arbitrary and capricious and didn't follow the Administrative Procedure Act by giving sufficient explanation as to why they were terminating DACA. Okay. So immigration reform, immigration policy is usually held uh, for Congress to make law. And in some instances, Congress can delegate that authority to administrative agencies, the Department of Homeland Security. And so President Obama's administration found, I don't know if you want to call it a loophole, or found that interpretation to mean that Napolitano in that time, in 2012, as an administrative agency, could issue the memorandum of which was DACA. DACA. So in September, August, June, July, Attorney, Attorney General Sessions said, you have that same authority, you're going to terminate and rescind DACA. <laughs> and so they gave... Pursuant to the opinion out of New York or uh, California, they gave some reasons as to why they were going to terminate and rescind DACA, but the court out of the Northern District of California felt that those those reasons weren't sufficient. Wow. So the court found that by rescinding, that rescission was unlawful, and and so did the District of New York. Maryland, on the other hand, felt that the decision and the, the explanation that was given in the letter by Secretary Duke at that time in September of last year was sufficient. Wow. Meaning it, it yeah. was lawful. They had the authority and the right to do what they did and 
declined to grant that relief to the plaintiffs there in Maryland. Tyler, let me ask you this next question. With all of these different decisions being rendered by different uh, federal courts, where do we go? Where, where's DACA going? Is there, I mean, people are so confused um, and uh, people are on edge and those people that are that comply actually do aren't fall under the DACA umbrella right now. There's so much concern in trying to make decisions with their lives. Um, what do you see foresee as far as I asked you this last September, right? And uh, here we go again. Give me, give me some based on your knowledge and the courts and the decisions that are being made. And uh, I think my our listeners really want to get your insight as to where do you think this is going. I, I hope it finally leads to the passing of the DREAM Act. And, and and I'm not necessarily suggesting that it's the DREAM Act as proposed with a number of proposals over the years, but that we have legislation guiding us in, in regards to what do we do with our dreamers, okay? Our, our young children, young adults that have been brought to this country, um, obviously to no fault of their own, illegally, and and now form a vital part of our economy. Um, and not just our economy, but our social system and yes. and our good members of society in, in a number of capacities. What do we do? So I think what we're seeing is by not only by the, the lawsuit filed in California, the lawsuit filed in New York, the lawsuit filed in Maryland, there's another lawsuit filed in... Um, there's been several actually that have been filed, yeah. um, and then as as I mentioned earlier with with Arizona Supreme Court just issuing sure. their ruling, um, there has to be something done, and 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 I think that was right or wrong, and whether it was sufficient enough time, the rescission in September with the deadline being March, if you if you listen to our current administration, they were saying, we're trying to give Congress an opportunity to do something. And now here we are in April, mid-April, and that March 5th deadline has passed, and we've yet to reach an agreement. Or even address it. it or seems, even address it. It's not even being addressed in Congress. So if we do a fast forward to November of this year with the midterm elections, based on some of the uh, already polling and ideas that's going on, um, do you think that might be the turning point subsequent to that election and those people being sworn in in January? If not the turning point, one of the turning points. We have yet to even have a ruling from the Northern District, or sorry, the, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Hmm. And that was... That decision was entered in January, and here we are in April, and we yet to have a decision. Now, granted, it was a bit of a stall because of the writ of certiorari to the United States Supreme Court, but that the court, the, the high court, declined to to uh, hear it at the end of February, and and we've yet to receive any sort of guidance and ruling from the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, I find it interesting that the you or the Arizona Supreme Court they don't intend on issuing their written opinion as to why they ruled the way they did on Monday until sometime in May. So we have no, we have, we have decisions being made. We're hearing different opinions from different circuits, 
Maryland being one, New York and California maybe being another. And if you look at those particular states and where they are and and uh, whether they're red or blue, you, you kind of understand why the courts are issuing decisions the way they are. But Congress has to act. Congress has to do something. And, and I know a number of congressmen and women are trying. Um, a number of bills have been proposed only to be killed in the Senate. And um, at some point, that's going to be the turning point, if not one of the turning points as to how this country proceeds and who we elect. So what we're saying uh, to our listeners, or what you're saying to our listeners, is that uh, this midterm election coming up in November is critical for DACA. Critical. And uh, uh, if we, if the Democrats do get the majority in the House, um, maybe something will get done. But like you just mentioned, uh, the Senate keeps turning it back. So we need both houses. So both sides of the aisle have to come together. And we have a lot of, we can speculate as to who's causing the problem and, and why an agreement is not being reached. An agreement has to get reached and something has to be done. A bill has to be passed because we can't continue to rely on judicial interpretation even though depending on which opinions you read, that's the very purpose of the courts. Um, but it was, it was interesting reading the opinion from Maryland. They took the opinion that once there was an explanation given, which if you talk, look at the opinions from California and New York, there was not sufficient reason given. The Maryland opinion said reason given, sufficient for us, courts stay out of it. And, and so it, we have to find a solution. And I think as, as a community, as um, our representatives from our particular areas in our states and our, and our governors, they have to be more vocal in regards to what is going to happen. And, and the reason why that's important is because there's about 700,000 DACA recipients that will be affected. These are the ones that fell within the parameters. Correct. 700,000. And that were approved. And are have either received work permits or social security numbers, and we're moving forward in the in the program. Ninety um, percent of those DACA recipients are in fact working. Wow! Almost half of those recipients are are enrolled in school. So the purpose of the program, I think, is is showing its fruits that it was it that it's good, and we we have to do something about that now. A year or so, and I, I, I can't recall the exact date it was proposed, but there was a program called DAPA, Deferred Action for Parents of American Citizens. And that, and to give you some context in regards to why the state of Texas and other four or five other states issued the demand letter to Attorney General Sessions, when DAPA was proposed and approved, that was going to enable about 5 million parents of American citizens to receive conditional status and deferred action. Wow. And 21, if I recall correctly, 21 states 
took action immediately. So then DAPA then was shut down immediately. So that's important because it gives, it gives some context at what was transpiring with DACA and these states that were threatening the same litigation of which they took action over DAPA. And, and I bring that up because we're talking about 11 million, 12 million people. Out of 330 million plus in the United are, States. That are being affected. And that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. And so you have a lot of people, and that may not include family members or other people that aren't on the registry or aren't being counted, that their families and lives and communities are being affected. And then all of those families and communities and entities that are that they those individuals touch are being affected. Yes. And so it's it's a it's a big issue that has to be resolved. And I'm hearing a lot of those stories from the students here at Dixie State University that are DACA. Okay. Absolutely. And we're hearing the the families. The families are nervous. Um uh with the immigration people roaming around in the middle of the night and people knocks on the doors and things of that sort. What a scary time. And when uh, those stories are relayed to me, it's uh, unnerving. That's uh, happening. It's happening in our community. It's happening around the country. And like I said earlier, um, before the current administration took office, there were a number of benefits um, and, and, and relief that these individuals were entitled to, and as a re- and since that time, that's not happening. Yeah. And so, um, I would encourage everyone to reach out to your congressman and your local representatives, and and really ask that they use their voices and and their elected offices um, to make immigration reform and 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 the, at least with the dreamers at the very least, make, make that a priority. Well, I want to thank you very much for all this insight. Um, it's been a wonderful, I'm sure the listeners out there have really learned a lot, just like I have as usual when you arrive Good, here I've, at the studio. Um, so I'm anticipating having you reinviting you back in the, the end of uh, November of this year. After those elections yeah, we talked about, and let's see who's going to be sworn in and who's not in January and, uh, and see where we are as far as some of these cases that we've uh, identified today and some new cases concerning DACA and moving that forward. I would look forward to it. And, I, and for those students that are listening today, they really need to re- reach out to um, those that have the ability here at Dixie State to reach out to our local um, and state officials, uh, because if Utah follows suit similar to that of Arizona, that's going to directly impact a number of students here at Dixie State, um, and it's going to have, and the ramifications are staggering to that's, think about. That's great advice. Uh, I know I'm going to encourage my students, and uh, uh, those listeners out there, please uh, contact uh, our uh, state representatives and our congressional representatives because we need to wake them up and get something done and not follow suit. So, uh, Tyler Todd, 
Again, as always, thank you so much for all this wonderful information about DACA and immigration and where we are now. And unfortunately, we don't have anything as definitive as we'd like, but uh, I appreciate you coming in and giving us an update as to what cases are pending and some of the decisions that have been made, and in particular that uh, recent uh, decision made in the state of Arizona, which is a little, sh- little shocking. To I'm be happy that it is, and I think the key is to, to see, what, uh, see how the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, rules. That, well, that'll, be, that'll be the key, so keep your eyes out for that decision because that's going to be telling as to how this country will move forward. Fantastic. Well, thanks once again for uh, giving us a lot of information to ponder and uh, really understand DACA and where it's where it's been since your last visit here last September. So, Happy to. Thanks for having me. Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes tips, topics, issues, and positions here on KDXI 103.3 FM. And I uh, hope you'll have a safe and enjoyable day. And uh, looking forward to you uh, listening in to our next show. So have a good one. Bye.